Africa State of Mind with Lee Kasumba. Get it on iTunes now. Welcome to Africa State of Mind with Lee Kasumba. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Remember that you can subscribe on iTunes, Africa State of Mind with Lee Kasumba. On today's episode, I'm so excited. We're hanging out with some amazing people, starting out with Mr. Amadou Fall, who's the VP for NBA Africa. So if you've been involved in seeing a lot of the movement and growth that's been happening with the NBA in Africa, he's the man behind it all, and he's got a great plan for Africa. So we need to, you need to stick around and listen to that. We also had a chat with the man man who knows how to weave numbers and give us all the stats and facts on a very basic level. He's the CEO of Rich Management. He's also the author of Anybody Can Be Rich and he hails from Kenya and he talks a little bit about the cost of the Kenyan economy and also just the importance of finance and, and politics within Africa. So we're excited about that. We also had a chat with Mr. Dillian Khan talking about the explosion of comedy in Africa. It's going to be amazing. Africa State of Mind with Lee Kasumba. It's all about you. Opportunity, greatness, just everything amazing that makes us African, man. African state of mind. My next guest on Africa State of Mind probably has one of the coolest jobs in the world, literally. He gets to rub shoulders with some of the most influential people in the sporting world, as well as being one of the most influential people in the sporting world. But make no mistake at all, he has one of the toughest jobs and he's definitely up for the challenge. Fondly referred to as some as the giant of Africa. And if you could see how tall he is, he really is like, I wish I could get some of that height as short as I am. He's been working um, with NBA Africa nonstop since 2010 to ensure that Africa finds its feet and gets its place in the global phenomena that is basketball. Please welcome to the, to this episode of Africa State of Mind, the Managing Director and Vice President of NBA Africa, Mr. Amadou Gallo Fall. I hope I got that all right. Absolutely. The name you got right. All the stuff before, I don't know about the giants and... You know, well, look, when we said that, nice people, you. Yeah, people ask and everybody, like some yeah. of my colleagues before, they were like, yo, he's like the giant of Africa, you know? Well, thank so. you. That's very, very kind of them. It's great to be here. It's amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. So let's. Um, so first of all, you've just come back from a long trip. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Can you tell us a bit about what that trip um, is about? Well, I went. Obviously, we had the second Africa game uh, mm-hmm. back in early August, yeah. and and really didn't. I didn't get a chance to catch a break because right after that, we went to Kigali uh, with yeah. uh, oh, wow. you know, Masai Ujiri, uh, yeah. who was. Uh, Opening up a court there with oh, President lovely. Kagame had a great time. You know, wow. this tremendous passion that we saw in those young people in, in Kigali, and we're looking forward to doing more in, in in Rwanda. And after that, I went to the Basketball with Our Borders Europe, which was in uh, in Israel, mm-hmm. in Jerusalem, oh, wow. and uh, Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. Been a fantastic experience. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, I went to Australia. We know we have these uh, elite training centers now mm-hmm. in the academies, and our global academy is in uh, Canberra in, okay. in Australia. So I went there to just, you know, see the facilities and talk to the people. And we have a couple of our young prospects from Africa who were there and just doing rehab. Mm-hmm. So we went to see them. Came back and went to Senegal, um, and then I was at a Went to Abidjan after that and back to Senegal. We wow. had the Afrobasket. For the first time, the Afrobasket was hosted in two countries. And I think that was a tremendous experience that mm-hmm. I hope they can do again. So they had some group stages in Dakar and then the final round in Tunis where I went. Um, look, that's the job. You know, I, yeah. I, every year I, you know, 
swear and that's my New Year's <laughs> resolution that I'm not going to travel as much. But, and then, you know, it looks like every year I travel even more. So I give up. I'll just, uh, you know, embrace it and, uh, you know, keep plugging away. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it doesn't feel like work, you know, yeah. because, um, when you do something you love, and in this case, uh, especially seeing the impact we are having through the game of basketball, on young people um, and, and also just driving interest across mm-hmm. the continent, um, building a team uh, and, and, and all the you know, great things that happen along the way. So you feel blessed and yeah. stay humble and just keep the foot on the pedal. And just keep going. Um, you, you mentioned about how you were in um, Kigali with Masai Njiri. Mm-hmm. If you could just let people know exactly who it is, who he is, and just some of the success he's had as an African, because I don't know if his story's been told often enough. If you could share with us. Well, you know, we're extremely proud of, of Masai. Obviously, uh, the first uh, African-born uh, general manager of any U.S. professional sports team started at the Denver Nuggets, uh, wow. where he was... You know, the general manager started, you know, a long time ago, uh, I think in probably 2002 or something mm-hmm. like that at the Orlando Magic as a, as a scout and mm-hmm. went to Denver, um, then became ultimately the general manager there and mm-hmm. spent time in, in, in Toronto as an assistant GM, went back to, to Denver as a GM. I know I'm telling the story <laughs> all over the place, but. Yeah. Then ultimately went back to Toronto where he's building a powerhouse, you know. Wow. I mean, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. Yeah. He's attracted tremendous talent there and building, you know, really putting Canada basketball in. I know the Canada basketball is very much on the rise and on the map, and I know the Toronto Raptors have a lot to do with it, and Masai most certainly has a lot to do with it. Yeah. And, you know, just as a global sports figure his passion and focus on making sure that uh, africa is on the global stage mm. helps what we do here you know obviously mm. he's the guy we point to and and as much as we point to your lual dangs or mm. dikembe as we talk to young people across the continent in terms of role models you know this is a gentleman who didn't play a minute in the nba yeah. but yes you know he's doing what he's is, doing yeah. because he played a sport had a passion for it went to school you know and, and really has his head on his shoulders. Yeah. So we can never say enough. Harvest Foundation Giants of Africa, every year they go to at least five countries across Africa, building courts and running clinics. Wow. And that's why we were in Kigali. And I think after Kigali, they went to Uganda, your yeah. home country. And then, but Ugandans uh, are so short. I'm so sorry. But <laughs> I you, just had to. <laughs> no, but you'd be surprised. Uh, there's, yeah. I, I found tremendous passion there. Wow. And then okay. um, first time I went to Kampala, maybe three, four years ago, I, they have the those Friday nights. Yeah, yeah like, Friday night lights. Yeah, yeah at, that's uh, amazing. What is it, Lokogo? Yeah, and like at Lugogo. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. I wasn't too that's far. That's very popular. So yeah, I mean, look, you'll be, you'll be surprised. And then you have a basketball president there yeah. uh, who is, you know, unbelievably innovative. I remember meeting him almost 10 years ago. The guy walks here at Basketball Without Borders in the gym with his CDs, you know, really talking about wow. his country. I mean, yeah. that's why I'm not surprised now they qualify for the AfroBasket the yeah. past two years. So don't be don't be shocked if you all of a sudden and by the way in Dakar they played tremendously well yeah. uh, they had a team brought back some of the players from oh, the wow. US and they dominated Angola most of the game they ended wow. up going to and overtime and losing 
Yeah. You know, but uh, I mean, that's a country that I'm excited to follow in yeah. terms of what they're going to be doing in the next uh, near future. So yeah, again, back to Maasai, they went to Uganda and I think Kenya and yeah. then went to Nigeria, yeah. then Cote d'Ivoire and Senegal. So, you know, awesome. you see um, how that complements what we're mm-hmm. doing. So anytime there's basketball programming on the continent, we are excited and mm-hmm. we, are, we are supportive and yeah, even Maasai, obviously, mm-hmm. and our young people, we want to make sure that they follow his story too Definitely. because he's doing tremendous things with the Toronto Raptors and getting some African players there too. Drafted yeah. Pascal Siakam uh, a couple of years ago who's a young man from Cameroon who mm-hmm. was part of our Basketball Without Borders program mm-hmm. a few years ago. Signed Sergi Barker now, you know, and obviously Bismarck Biombo was there before. So, and I joke with him and we talk, he's like, if he has his way, he'll have a team full of Africans <laughs> so yeah. anyway, yeah, that's that's really um, uh, the story for About the summer. Him, a lot yeah. of trips uh, for me, and a um, lot of excitement too. So we're looking forward now to a brand new season yeah. coming up. Let's just talk about um, if you can just break down the numbers, right, in terms of the popularity of basketball in Africa, because that's also another debate that you know people always talk about: is basketball really popular in Africa? I mean, in the world, is if I'm not mistaken, it's the number two most popular sport in terms of Africa when it comes to basketball. There's questions around infrastructure. There's questions, you know, about basketball basketball versus soccer which sounds like a whole hip-hop versus whatever battle but anyhow mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so let's just talk about for you um you know obviously you get to travel around a lot you get to see what's happening on a grassroots level with basketball in africa how popular from your pers- p- perspective is basketball in africa and how feasible is it to help people i, I guess achieve their african dream Basketball is a number two sport globally, yeah. and that also holds true in Africa. Wow! You know, okay. I, I think sometimes being here in South Africa because we see an environment, a sports landscape that mm. has other sports that comes in terms of when the general public here is talking about sporting codes. You know, I remember when we first came here, we just trying to get a sense of okay, where is basketball, and it wasn't listed until probably you start talking five, six, seven. Wow. Wow. Which was really a shock to me, and I That's knew that there was yeah. no way. Well, this is ten years ago, mm. whatever. When you ask, and even in just when you're talking about maybe some of the sporting bodies, but I never bought that because mm. I just know that young people follow the game. Maybe mm. what was the issue was a lack of exposure. Our games were not on TV, mm. you know, in, in 2010, so people weren't watching it. And I know that there was a time before we came here where the games were on TV, and where I see people in the streets. No, they know the NBA, they know the team, they know the stars. But yet, you know, when you're talking about the sport, and I'm talking about South Africa specifically, mm. but that was not the case anywhere else. You go to Senegal, Nigeria, or Cameroon, I mean, there's no question where the sport was in terms of popularity. Mm. And also, we had to spend time, you mm. know, really engaging with, 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 with folks across the continent. And our number one mission, and still remain the same, was just to make the game accessible. Mm. And by that, we mean accessible to young people mm. who want to play it. Obviously, also trying to build the expertise, mm. getting people, you know, like, hey, sports people, you know, mm. media people to know about our game and, and our players and what we do. Uh, that's why we've, you know, encouraged people, we've invited people to some of our big events, mm-hmm. whether it's All-Star Weekend. And, you know, we were fortunate here, one of the key uh, pieces, we building a relationship with the Minister Mbalula at the time, 
He wow. came to a couple yes, of our I events. Remember, yeah. Exactly. And he saw for himself what our yeah. game and our brand was all about. And yeah, I think, he actually you know, went Twitter happy about that. I remember. I, exactly. So, yes. so, you know, we, we did those. Not mm. just him. They were, for example, in Angola, mm. in Senegal. We've invited few people to come to our events and, mm. and, and really see what we do even beyond what's happening on the court. How we use our game and the popularity of the NBA to inspire young people. Because Amazing. when we talk yeah. about commitment to social responsibility, just really in our DNA. That's not, we don't do basketball with our borders just to show up mm. and take pictures and leave. But this is something what we do. We leave lasting legacies, mm. both from an expertise building standpoint. We train coaches, you know, we try to teach young people through the values of the game, which uh, are centered around teamwork, you know, respect, hard work, mm -hmm. communication, and all these character traits that you want in young people because all mm -hmm. successful people have those in common. Again, your question was about how popular basketball is. Look, this last Africa game we played here in Johannesburg on August 5th was broadcasted almost in every single country in Africa. Wow. At least to like 51. Through our partnership with Kwese, yes. you know, that we signed Congratulations years ago. on that deal, by Th the way. Thank you. Amazing. And that's, that was really one of our key objectives, mm -hmm. as I talked about earlier, in terms of making the game accessible. Yes, to kids who want to play it, but also to fans who mm. want to watch, watch the game. Yeah. So putting our games on Questena give us a, an unprecedented footprint on mm. the continent. You know, sub-Saharan Africa, mm. more than 900 million people watching our games, Amazing. you know. So we're looking to continue, we're looking forward to continuing to build uh, on, on, on just that uh, that footprint that you know the partnership with Kwase and others mm. other players on the continent is allowing us so obviously the game is is out there now our fans can watch it can experience it and on top of that we are bringing our authentic experience live to like you know countries like obviously we've done the last two games here in South Africa there is tremendous interest uh, from other countries to host the Africa game and we are in the process of evaluating those and to mm. see where we host it you know and uh, next Thank summer you. when we bring it again. Wherever you go, hopefully we can join you. That'll be amazing. Absolutely. You, like, you guys are <laughs> welcome. And look, we we held the game here, but there was a lot of visitors from yeah, other they were, countries. I, I actually yeah. remember I was actually not in South Africa at the time, and mm. a lot of people I knew from around the continent were all, I'm like, what are you all doing in South Africa? They're like, yeah. no, we're going for I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like people literally made the effort to be out here, which is phenomenal. It's exactly. great because it brings African people together as well. It's a great unifying factor. No, thank you. And also that's that's really one of the objectives, objectives mm. too. This is why we look to engage with mm. uh, tourism boards, you know, to awesome. because there's not a whole lot of opportunities on the continent. Different countries, different nationalities mm. come together, which is how we're going to grow, you know, the continent. I think there has to be intra-Africa no. trade, you know, from all directions, and and we just hope to play our part in sports in basketball. I love that. Thanks so much, Mr. Yeah. Four, for spending time with us. It's been amazing. And yeah, Thank next you. year, I'm telling you, if, if I don't get an invite to the NBA All-Star game next year, <laughs> wherever it is within the continent, I'm going to be like calling people, crying, sending tweets, uh, <laughs> posting. We'll, <laughs> Just we'll, we'll make sure. But in the meantime, we are hosting our 
67th NBA All-Star Weekend in Los Angeles yes. in February. So oh, wow. That's amazing. We'll look, hopefully, we'll get, you know, a number yeah. of our fans across the country. Yeah. And there will be more opportunities, I yeah. guess, for people to yeah. get a chance to yeah. come through. I'm just like, Taki, so I'm like, we need to be in LA. Hello. Yes. <laughs> but congratulations. Jokes aside, I think what you guys are doing is amazing. Thank I love you. what you speak about with regards to um, inter-Africa trade and mm. what basketball, the role that is playing and just creating alternative, you know, markets and all of that with young people. I think that what you're doing with the NBA All-Star Africa game is phenomenal. I love, um, you know, just even with All-Star Weekend, the fact that you have been taking, you know, Africans to go and perform out there and everything, that's phenomenal. And obviously with basketball, um, beyond, without borders, mm-hmm. just the success and the amount of African players that have come out of there. Like I think this 2016, 2017 season, there were 14 Africans who were part of yes. the NBA. So congratulations on all of that. It's Thank amazing you. and it's just phenomenal. Thank you. And we, we, we are extremely excited about the future for basketball and just the future of you know on the continent with our youth driving yeah. the initiatives and uh, being ambitious yeah. and looking forward to to do big things. Awesome! Thank you so much, Mr. Fall. Thank you. So when it comes to weaving a story with numbers and explaining on a very practical level how numbers affect our daily lives, Kenya's Ali Khan, author of Anybody Can Be Rich, is the most influential advisor in the Nairobi Stock Exchange and he's also CEO of Rich Management. He's joining us on this episode of Africa State of Mind. Ali, so let's let's get straight into um you know the whole situation with regards to the Kenyan elections, but more from a numbers and finance perspective. So the um you know so the first round of the 2017 Kenyan elections were said to be amongst the most expensive elections. Is that true and what would you attribute that to? Yes, it is true and it's entirely unfortunate for a country whose economy is the size of ours that for whatever reason our elections have become one of the most expensive elections per head anywhere you can go in the world. It's it's very unfortunate and uh, I wish we would follow the Gambian example and Mm. take up marbles because I think it'd be a lot cheaper and also we would no doubt get a more decisive result because as you know, notwithstanding the fact that these elections are so expensive, of course, this election was invalidated. So we're having to do it all over again. Yeah. It's another Groundhog Day. And, uh, you know, the government has had to take money away from development spending in order to spend on this election. Mm-hmm. And, you know, typically from a numbers point of view, election years see a big slowdown in the economy. Normally averages about 1.7% of GDP. And this year is surely not going to be any exception. Would you happen to have an idea of the, the numbers or like a comparative of what the Kenyan elections are actually costing, including the re-elections, um, compared to, say, anywhere else in Africa, for, like Gambia, for example? Oh, goodness. And, yeah, I mean, the Kenyan election, it, it was said it was going to cost $600 million in the what? first iteration. And um, that's without accounting for the amount of money that's spent on campaigning mm. And, and so forth. That was the, um, the allocation made by the government in order to, to have the election happen. So, you know, we're talking enormous amounts of money. Gambia, for example, I doubt went more than 40 or 50 million tops. Mm. So you can see that, you know, it's a huge multiple. It's a very big problem and it speaks to how the political economy has really taken the front and center stage and is not allowing the real economy to breathe at the moment. And now, as you mentioned, with regards to the political economy, obviously, um, Kenya, one of the bigger, you know, drawing factors for Kenya and I think one of the huger contributors to the GDP 
GDP is tourism. So how do these elections and re-elections and, and all of that, how does that affect the tourism industry within Kenya? Well, interestingly, tourism has actually been rebounding. Oh, wow. um, we had some very tough years. If you remember, we had the Westgate mm. uh, terrorist attack. I remember. And tourism has been, uh, uh, been on the floor for a number of years. So it's bounced off a low base, but we've seen a good recovery in the tourism sector, particularly on the safari circuit. And uh, I think, you know, that, that, that sector is holding their breath and hoping we don't see anything, you know, any violence on the streets and we have a relatively orderly second round. Tourism, obviously, bleeding edge. Whenever there's any political volatility, it suffers immediately. And in Kenya, we've had this frequent boom bust scenario. So those guys from you know, when I've spoken to them, they're cautiously optimistic. It's 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 actually a bright spot wow. in the economy at the moment. Yes, which is quite interesting. And also just with regards to um you know the re elections, it's quite monumental um, you know, to have somebody elected yeah. in Africa and then then, you know, it's basically like null and void, you know, after everything has kind of been declared and certified and everything. What do you feel that the rest of Africa can learn yeah. from this process? that's taken place in Kenya recently? Well, I mean, it's worth just pointing out uh, to your viewers that this was a unexpected legal decision. Mm-hmm. Previously, um, we'd had only a few cases worldwide where such an invalidation had happened. I think Austria was one, the Maldives was another, and there's one other. And normally courts would weigh, weigh the result in the balance. And here the president won pretty convincingly by about 1.4 million. And you'd say to yourself, were the infractions so egregious that they put that result in doubt? And interestingly, the court never said that. They just mm. said, look, you know, there were infractions and we are invalidating the election on that basis. So, mm. In that way, I would describe it as an activist decision. But what it tells us is, you know, our institutions across the continent are growing up, they're coming of age, and we can no longer assume that the president in any of our African countries has untrammeled powers. You you know, you, of course, come from Uganda, where there's there's an interesting challenge right now with the age limit. You know, we're watching an evolution happen. It's not going to be linear or Mm. in a straight line, but clearly the executive can no longer assume that they can ride roughshod over the other branches of government. And here we're seeing a judiciary step up to the plate and say, look, we're not satisfied with the process. We don't care who won or who lost. We're invalidating it until you get the process right. Mm. We're not going to accept the result. Yeah. Before we let you go, when you think Africa's state of mind with regards to um, finance within Africa and economics, what comes to your mind? Well, look, you know, I think if you look back a few years, it was all about Africa rising. There was a huge amount of optimism. We then had this oil crash, which crushed big economies like Nigeria, Angola, and um, and in part South Africa because of the minerals. So I think, you know, what we've got to do is we've got to be more realistic, more pragmatic. I think the economy has still got huge amounts of potential, but also I think what we need now is a new, a new uh, leader like you asked me in the first question, to understand that we've got to create jobs, we've got to bake a bigger cake if we want our people to be gainfully employed and for us to have an economy that works for everybody. So 
uh, look, it's, we're not reinventing the wheel. It's not rocket science, but we've got to do the simple things well. And particularly when it comes to the economy, we've always got to think in the national interest. Too often, our leaders and our people are thinking in the personal interest mm-hmm. and not realizing how important it is to be have the national interest front and center. So many pearls of wisdom. I'm just like, wow. I'm actually going to call my dad right now, and I'm just going to I'm going to say a few things that you said. Then he's going to be like, your education was worth it. I'll be like, yes, daddy, because you know how Ugandan parents are. <laughs> Thank you, Thank Ali. You so much for In- having me. Great. Enjoy the rest Thank of your day. You. Africa State of Mind with Lee Kasumba. Get it on iTunes now. Dillian Khan, congratulations on all the amazing work that Comedy Central has been doing. It's phenomenal just to see how you guys are really spearheading, um, you know, the, the, the growth with, within the, com- the comedy industry in Africa. Um, can you give us a bit of background um, into some of the hotspots perhaps in Africa where you find like the bigger groups of people enjoying comedy or the more popular comedians? Well, I think that um, I think the comedy scene and culture and art as a whole are growing across the continent. So whether it's fashion, whether it's music or comedy, we're seeing such great growth coming out of our our continent. So obviously we know South Africa has some great comedians, but you're seeing that further growth coming from, you know, West Africa, East Africa, mm-hmm. Central Africa, you know, down to the South. So we know Nigeria's got a, a real hotbed of comedic talent as is, uh, you know, East Africa. So there's, there's hotspots all over. Um, and I think what it is, is it's, it's showing the confidence that the continent has in being able to share stories and narratives that we can all, uh, you know, whether we're from different parts of the continent or even, you know, the world, we can share with those those stories and empathize or sympathize and, and have a collective, uh, you know, laugh at them. Definitely. Now, let's zone in on Uganda, because you did mention um, East Africa with regards to Kansime Ann, who has had like phenomenal success um, in general as a comedian. For you, what do you feel it is about her that has made her, you know, be somebody that people can relate to, despite the fact that Uganda is obviously one of the smaller countries and a lot of the jokes may seem to be, how do I say, more localized than anything else? Well, look, I think that what's great is that we're starting to see... um, not just Africa kind of having exports of, of comedic talent, but we're now starting to see more coming from the different genders, so from a male and female. So I think that's a really great success mm-hmm. story to be able to have, you know, people from, you know, different backgrounds being able to step forward and be able to tell stories that will make the continent laugh. And and also one thing that you guys do really well is that you you kind of partner with people who are popular in the regions. How do you go about selecting the talent that you work with and how important are these partnership deals in terms of making sure that you get the right kind of authentic people to support what you're doing at Comedy Central? Well, I think that what we're seeing is that, you know, the the the, the talent rec- recognizes that we're one of many players in the market and we, you know, we don't claim to to just own that that space we 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 uh, expect our peers and colleagues from other channels to also be in that space because the bigger the marketplace and the comedic scene can be uh, across the continent and the more players there are in that space the bigger that uh, industry grows so we're really excited by you know everyone wanting to be in this space and there's enough space for everyone i think the great opportunity is for us to be able to highlight the the talent and and that's what we really welcome and look forward to 
And Dillian, um, you, you mentioned also before about how Africa in general is exploding globally. You know, we've seen great successes with the music industry, which of course the Viacom Group has been behind quite a bit with African musicians getting their space, you know, globally. In terms of the African comedians, um, you know, I mean, Trevor Noah is obviously a great example, but do you feel that there's space like for the rest of the world, like where there would ever be a show in the rest of the world, um, say in the States, for example, where an African comedian or there could be an all African, um, lineup, roster of comedians, who would be up there that would sell globally? Do you, do you envision that happening and African comedy really getting its place um, globally? Absolutely. Why not? Um, you know, like, like you mentioned, the music space is fantastic. We're seeing artists from all corners of the continent doing well. Uh, just uh, over the last few days, WizKid was playing at the Royal Albert Hall in London, uh, yes. you know, which is, you know, an Phenomenal. amazing achievement yeah. to kind of get to. So from a comedy point of view, absolutely. Why not? We want to see more, you know, tours of our talent going to different parts of uh the the, the 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 globe and we want to be able to kind of champion them and you know lead the way as we take the African continent to other parts of the world so absolutely the US the UK but I think one of the things which is really important for us to highlight is we also need to collaborate across our borders on the continent yes. so it's great to be able to take it to the US and UK absolutely but I think if we can create scale and fan bases here on the continent I think that should be our very first step is finding ways to collaborate our talent across you know the the borders within this continent if you look at what the other musicians have done whether it's South Africans and Nigerians collaborating to make hit tracks I think we should be doing something similar first before we have ambitions to go to the UK and US I think let's build our scale popularity and our fan bases in our continent so that when we do go to those other spaces we can turn around and say hey this is talent x y and z and they've got an entire content that knows their material and loves them and take these guys seriously awesome thank you so much Dillian. and one last thing when you think africa state of mind what comes to your mind africa state of mind the thing that comes to 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 my mind is 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 entrepreneurial is uh ambitious is creative is thinking outside the box uh not taking no for an answer um, just being confident in oneself and not worrying whether the world accepts or not, um, realizing that our time is now and that we need to be able to act on it. So rather than it just being a platitude that that uh, is seen in the press and the media, it's uh, about all this talent that we have really pushing forward and making it uh, become a reality. It's something amazing to sense the the vibe that's coming out of this continent, you know, not just in in one industry and in one space, but across the board, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's music, whether it's fashion, whether it's comedy, whether it's, you know, um, people, you know, uh, as thought leaders. I mean, this continent is so much, it's so bubbling with great talent. Um, for me, that's what really excites me about the Africa state of mind. Thank you. I couldn't have said it better myself. Dillian Khan, the Vice President for Comedy Central and Creative Services for Viacom. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for listening to Africa State of Mind with Lee Kasumba. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes with the Africa State of Mind podcast. Um, it's going to be, we're just going to start a whole movement, man, because Africa is going places and it's important that we tell our own stories and we celebrate people that are making a change in Africa. That's what this podcast is all about. So don't forget, once you hear something, share it with your friends. Let's get Africa trending and let's just make sure that, you know, Africa just stays at top of mind in a good way. Thank you. Thank you.